1: Ladies and gents, boys and girls, happy Wednesday. Hope you're all doing well. Chris Phillips here of the Daily Crow of the Spurs Up show. It is hump day on this November the 2nd, 2022. Again, I hope you're all doing well. We got a packed show, a lot to get into, taking your questions, your comments, and your calls. As always, 843-790-337. 7, that's 790 337 Seven. I see John Edward Hunter, Dre Shullen, Jay Morris, Cyrus Brennan M, Kevin Crossland, Travi, Hunter, Herlong Jean, Carolina Titan, Stephen Borwell Jr., Gad Thomas Walker, Alex Mitchum, Cody Gaskins with the hashtag Fire Sat right off the jump. You know, I was wondering, is today going to be more of the same? Is it going to be uh, a therapy Wednesday? Is this just going to be therapy week or are Gamecock fans? Ready to put the past in the past and move on and look ahead and, and look at the bright sun shining outside. But no, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. We still are here. Marcus Satterfield speaking to the media today. That shouldn't get any attention or anything. Um, and, yeah, we're here rock and rolling, guys. Again, taking your questions, comments, calls, 843 790 We've got my good friend, Anthony Treasch of Pro Football Focus jumping on the show here shortly. Um, guys, before we rock into everything, of course, I want to tell you about our friends over at Price Picks because The Daily Crow is brought to you by our friends at, at Price Picks. Go download the Price Picks app or go to PrizePicks.com. When you do, use the promo code TSUS. You're going to receive a 100% deposit match up to $100 with our friends at PrizePix and got so many fans of the Spurs Up Show and the Daily Crow have made so much money with our friends at Prize Picks, and you should as well. Again, you can play college sports, pro sports, literally anything and everything you can think of. They have got it. So go download the app, go to their website, use the promo code TSUS at sign up to receive a 100% deposit match up to $100. Be sure to check them out and tell them that Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. Okay, again, guys, uh, phone lines right now <clears throat> are closed because Anthony Trege is expected to join us here in the next minute or two. And then after that, we will take all of your questions, your comments, your calls, everything in between that you can think of. We'll rock. We'll continue to roll here uh, on this Vanderbilt Week. Gamecocks, of course, taking on the doors podcast did drop this morning. Episode 722. My full thoughts, and I tell you what, guys, I don't think I've ever spent as much time in a podcast breaking down and discussing and dissecting what a head coach and his players had to say, an oppressor, than I did on the podcast that dropped today. And when, you know, when you uh, are coming off the type of loss that you are, Everything you say is going to be critiqued and criticized and overanalyzed, if you will. Cody Gaskin says, we should watch Sats presser. Nah, Cody, I don't think so. What let me ask you this, Cody, what's the point in that? What would be the point in that? You I, I literally think people just want to watch the presser to get upset because that's what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen. You're going to get upset. Inevitably. Let me read this one text, and then we'll get my guy Anthony Treesh in here. Uh, the text says won't have a chance to call in today, so I was seeing if you could address this on TDC. Tired of hearing Beamer and Sat and others saying there are plays out there that we're missing due to execution. Part of the job of a coach or teacher is to adjust what you were doing to increase the probability of success of your players or students. Asking them to do something over and over again that they are not having success with is incompetent coaching. Well, you're not wrong, you're not wrong, um, but you're going to get that typical coach speak week after week after week. I, I don't know what else to tell you. You're simply put just not going to get anything really of substance, and I hate to tell you guys it's going to be more excruciating comments from Marcus Satterfield today. Hey, let's get on off that and on to a much more fun topic, and that is the fact that every single Wednesday, Anthony Treish of Pro Football Focus takes the time to join us. Anthony, appreciate you taking the time, my friend. What's going on? How are you?
2: I'm doing good. How you doing?
1: I'm doing well, man. Just hanging out. I'm obviously not in my normal setup. I'm actually uh, out of town in the beautiful state of Florida, enjoying this high 80s weather. Just uh, And, and it's, I think it's a great week, Anthony, to get out and about and kind of kind of detach a little bit as much as possible, because things, I'm not sure if you've noticed in Gamecock land, have, uh, have somewhat hit the fan, if you will, after Saturday's game. So I, I'm trying to have a bit of a balance, if you will. Um, you know, I can't help but feel it, but trying to have a balance and, wake up every day and realize the sun's still shining.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a good strategy and good outlook to have. You need that good balance there. So I'm happy you're getting that. But yeah, I definitely, definitely been seeing what's been uh, said across South Carolina Twitter. Um, some of it's a little wild. Some of it's justified. Um, but yeah, I mean, after this past weekend's performance, I know we talked about it last week where I was like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a little bit closer just because of the way Missouri kind of plays and, um, the way South Carolina plays, it was a little bit of a tough matchup for them, and you know, unfortunately for South Carolina, the end result, uh, you know, showed Missouri kind of was the better team there, so I think it's it's an interesting time, and you know, I, I think I'm kind of, I've reached my conclusion on, you know, what the offense is, is and you know, what the, I would say the most who was responsible for the biggest share, um, because I know we've talked about it in weeks past, you know, there was kind of equal blame with everybody, but I think it's kind of clear some of the issues that are there, Um, even though I would say it's not 100%. um, And definitely it's not time to click the the panic button and think, okay, the South Carolina football is dead for the next decade. You know, we're not going anywhere. Um, You know, because I've seen that from South Carolina's fans. But I think overall there's still reason to be encouraged, but definitely changes that have to be made.
1: Anthony, let's let's start there, my friend. I I would love to hear your thoughts. Obviously all of the topic of conversation this week is the offense – Marcus Satterfield, and, and listen, I've made my feelings known that I just think from what I've seen and the additions, the changes in personnel coming into this year and the product, I mean, what's crazy, Anthony, is you could argue the offense was better last year, and that to me is maybe the most baffling thing of all, but you look at the numbers, you're second to last in offense right above Vandy, who you ironically play this week but you're averaging around 20 points per game in SEC play, just over 300 yards per game. We see Spencer Rattler's stat line, five touchdowns, nine picks. Like you said, you feel like you've kind of made up your mind or at least started to draw some conclusions. I would love to hear, again, your overall thoughts, what you see from South Carolina's offense and what changes you feel like need to be made to move this thing in the right direction.
2: Yeah, and to your point, you know, the offense last year being better, it's just crazy that, you know, they're in the situation. Yeah, it's week ten, and you're looking back like, man, offense was probably better last year, but you have significantly better players this year. I mean, I don't think that's there's even an argument to be made there. I mean, the quarterback position—we talked about it last year. It was a disaster. It was one of the worst in college football. You know, some weeks you didn't know who was, who was going to be the guy, and you had a guy that was supposed to be helping the coaching staff play quarterback a few weeks, and that's that's not what you want to be in SEC football. And Here you are. You have a you know former Heisman contender. Favorite to be the number one overall pick and you have one of the most inefficient offenses in college football. And, you know, I, I think you look at what Spencer Rattler's done again, we know he can play good. We know he can have one of the most explosive passing offenses in college football. He did that at Oklahoma this year. Um, again, it just, I think the overarching theme is a lack of trust And that. I, I don't even know if it's a lack of trust more of like, Hey, this is the way we want to play football and you're going to, we're going to put you in that, situation so you're playing our game and you're not playing your game um and I, I you could see that clear just kind of tug of war battle there and you know again that's not to say that you know spitzer rather is a he's not he's not a perfect quarterback right he has his limitations right i mean like the one play for example that stood out to me was the pick at the end of the game against missouri it was just like hey man the are playing three cloud you expect it in that situation but You know, with that coverage, you have that corner. I know he's supposed to kind of follow the cover two rules, jam, reroute, whatever, but, you know, he keeps sinking. You should see he keeps sinking. He's not stopping. Like, why do you even throw the ball? Um, It's just stuff like that where he will do every once in a while. But, again, it's just like the starts of the game, those scripted plays. talked a little bit about this before. It's just just very conservative. It's not creative. It's, you know, I I think the defense knows exactly what's kind of come because it's kind of the same stuff on a weekly basis. And next thing you know, you're down, you know, two, three scores and you're not, you haven't scored any points. Your first three drives are, you know, 11 plays in total, three punts. Um, I mean, that. I think that's more a reflection of, you know, overall the, the play design in addition to the execution of that. But, I mean, overall you just kind of have to look at it and say, hey, this stuff isn't working, right? It hasn't worked all year. And that's just kind of the method there. And I, I get, you know, it, it's tough for, you know, Coach Beamer to, you know, kind of talk about this because every coach handles it differently, right? You never want to throw the guy you brought in, the guy that's yours under the bus and just say, hey, he's doing a poor job. Um, You know, there's some stuff that we need to work on or whatever. But, um, you know, you look at that, you look at, you know, the Jehan Bell situation, which is mind boggling because, you know, he's one of the most dynamic weapons in college football. Um, And it's just kind of hard to imagine him not being on the field at a consistent rate. Um, I mean, overall, it's just it doesn't seem like everybody's bought into the system. I mean, not necessarily the culture; that's completely a different situation. And I think, given everything that's going on from an offensive perspective, I think the culture is decent considering that. Right? It could be significantly worse. Right? We've seen these types of situations play out where everybody's just kind of like, "F this!" You know, this isn't working. I'm not going to buy in. I think people are kind of bought in, but overall, to the the schematic aspect of it. I think more you're kind of seeing more and more people kind of have frustrations with this isn't working, right? We're not moving the ball effectively. We're leaning on too much in these certain areas. And, you know, in SEC football, those certain areas, they can get shut down pretty easily, right? Because, you know, you can try all the screen stuff underneath and, you know, relying on the run game, but, you know, this is SEC football. These are different athletes, right? You know, they can, and these are more talented players, better coaches. I mean, you can kind of see that. So, um, It's it's just interesting. I think we'll probably see a change at some point. I know a lot of people wish it would be like right now. Um, You know, I think obviously, you know, Coach Satterfield got the position he's in for a reason. You know, nobody has the perfect answers. Right. I don't have the answers. If I was, I would be, you know, over there coaching. But, you know, nobody has the perfect answers. Um, But you can, you know, objectively look at the situation and say this isn't working. And I think that's kind of the, the overall theme. I think everybody knows this isn't working. You got to try something new, um, you know, whether that be with Coach Satterfield or somebody else. Um, but, you know, just given the talent that they do have, I mean, it's just kind of inexcusable for them to have these kind of numbers because they have, I mean, they have guys that could play in the NFL that should be playing in the NFL, um, multiple guys there. So it's just definitely baffling.
1: You know, Anthony, you mentioned change and changing up something, right? And most fans, I would say, the majority of the fan base wants Marcus Satterfield out. And Shane Beamer has made it very clear that's not going to happen. Now, you have been one of the biggest, if not the biggest Spencer Rattler supporter, at least that I have seen publicly, notably, what have you. There are now fans calling for him to be benched. So when you speak on change – I want to give you an opportunity to speak. I I am not one of those. I would like to make that clear. But there are some people, you know, again, they just want to change something, right? So if you can't fire the OC, who's next in line? The quarterback, right? And you look at his numbers. And, you know, listen, I, I, I could argue that if any other quarterback on the roster had the stat line right now that Spencer Rattler has, they probably would be benched. I don't know that you really solve anything by putting – I don't think – I almost think it's one of those things, Anthony, where it's like people don't even want to bench Rattler and put somebody else in because they think another guy is going to be better. Like you mentioned, they just are so frustrated and want to change something up. But I almost feel like you're creating a new problem in that scenario. Um, I know obviously you have been, again, one of his biggest supporters. You've also been very critical of his play. But I'd have to imagine you balk at the idea of benching Spencer Rattler being – a positive move for South Carolina at this point in the season?
2: Yeah, um, it's an interesting debate. I mean, you could see the argument for something like that if they want to keep playing the way they are playing from a you know a play calling and schematic perspective, right? Because this is obviously not – rather can't play in this type of system, right? It, it's not working. It is justifiably not working, and every single data point reflects that. But overall, it's just like – you know, over, like Spencer Rattler had the highest, you know, passing grade we've ever seen from a non-draft eligible quarterback in the PFF era in 2020. He um, had one of the highest big-time throw rates at like 9.4% this year. Um, I can look real quick. He's at 4.6%. He's got more turnover-worthy plays, um, whereas he had 3X the amount of big-time throws before. Um, do you really want to take that? quarterback off the field right and I know a lot of people say "Oh, it was Lincoln Riley system all of that but there's no denying his talent right and he's one of the most talented players in college football I think you know of course in the right situation and this is not an ideal situation for him so I see the argument for people are like well I guess it's kind of like a glass half full thing Um, it's like hey well we can't do this but we can go with this route because this is the offense we are going to play we're kind of stuck in the situation so we got to go to plan B and we got to change something, but you know, that's not an ideal situation. I think because your ceiling, stealing, if you do make a quarterback move is slightly higher at the best and your floor is arguably even lower. Um, so I, I don't see that situation and thinking that's the right decision to make. Um, so again, I just go back to what he has done and what he can be and why would you want to take that person off the field? So you know, I, I see it if you still have the same coaching situation. Um, I can see why you do it, but it's not helping,
3: I don't think.
1: Now, looking back at Saturday's game, Anthony, let me ask you this, because, and I'm certainly not excusing the play. You know, of course, I was there in person, and it, it, it was an abysmal performance. Uh, I, I thought your defense, obviously, the team came out sluggish, Defense got it going. They held on, kept you in that ballgame as long as they could. But obviously, when you have the offensive performance that South kind of had, there's just really no hope for you. At some point, your defense is going to break. And all things considered, I mean, give up 23 points in an SEC game, you feel like you should have a pretty good shot to win. Um, Are we not giving Missouri enough credit? How much of that game was – you know, because I think we all understand, Anthony, what happened, right? It finally caught up to South Carolina. You know, we saw these deficiencies against A&M in Kentucky – But Beamer ball and big plays on defense bailed you out a bit, right? Accounted for a couple of touchdowns, stole the momentum away. When you do those things, it's going to bode really well for you. Well, you didn't get those plays in this game against Missouri. You had to go mano-a-mano on the offensive side, and you simply couldn't do it. But a Missouri team that going into last weekend had been really close in some SEC games, should have beaten Auburn. They, they, They gave Georgia a great fight. Um, you keep going down the list there. You know, Florida, you could argue they probably should have beaten. When, when you go back and look at that game on Saturday, how much of that game was, you know, South Carolina's flaws obviously got magnified. But what did you see from Mizzou? Are they a little bit better than you think most folks were giving, at least from the Gamecock side of things, were giving them credit for going in that game?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. I So, I think for this game, I would say South Carolina lost it more than Mizzou won it. Um, you still have to give Mizzou credit for, you know, doing what they did because when they did everything they needed to do, they kind of played their game. Um, But I think overall, we're not giving Mizzou enough credit for like over the totality of the season. Um, I think what, you know, with what Eli Drinkwitz is doing with the talent that he does have, it's pretty impressive, you know, just kind of putting them in those situations, especially against Georgia, right? Um, So I definitely think there's reasons if you're a Mizzou fan to be encouraged in the long term. Um, obviously, you got a lot of young talents on offense. They just kind of need that quarterback there. Um, but, you know, with South Carolina game in particular, I, you know, I thought the defense held their own for the most part. There were some, you know, I would say big plays they allowed that, obviously, you know, attributed to them losing the game in the end, right? I mean, I look at like – I think they had like four 20-plus-yard pass plays allowed. And a lot of it was just, you know, just kind of good offensive design. So, I think that's where Mizzou did have the upper hand. But – just kind of mistakes that South Carolina shouldn't have been making, right? Just kind of overly reacting to eye candy, right? Um, you know, just, you know, when you did have to switch, you're not doing that. Um, you know, biting on the, the play fake um, when you shouldn't be. It's stuff like that, right? I mean, it was just kind of the, the stuff that you need to be able to do on a week to week basis that we just didn't really, that kind of hurt them overall this week. Now, I'm not saying the defense played poorly by any means, still was pretty good. I think the run game for Mizzou wasn't explosive, but it was just consistent chunks. Right. And then at that point, it's just kind of a wash. Um, but from a passive perspective, it was kind of, you know, you let up some big plays, too many, in my opinion. But, you know, it's hard to say it was overall a bad day when you're playing an SEC team. It's still an SEC team. You allowed, held them to 23 points. That's pretty good overall. Um, but it was just those handful of plays that really killed them. Now, there were some standouts. I mean, Darius Rush didn't even get a target. That speaks volumes about how good Darius rushes and I'm sure they saw the last game and they're like, we're not going to go this guy's way. Right. And, you know, uh, Cam Smith, I think he allowed one of those big plays if I recall correctly, but still overall it was a good game, um, considering the position he is playing. Um, so, I mean, there is some positives in there, but, you know, overall I think that it wasn't, you know, Mizzou's offense was great. Mizzou's defense was great. South Carolina's defense, but I think it was more about South Carolina's offense, just being, lethargic, inefficient, slow to start the game. I think that's what really played to the end result being what it did. But again, there were just, you know, too many big plays allowed in the
4: passing game.
1: I want to go back to something, Anthony, you mentioned at the uh, the beginning of the conversation. What's so interesting is it's like the closer you get to it, the more severe it becomes. And I'm talking about, you know, I think each, each individual team and, and, you know, diehard fans of each school—they uh-huh. just take it so much more personally. And I, I think we're harder on ourselves than anybody because you know, you mentioned, at, at, like I said at the beginning of the conversation, that you know, this this one loss doesn't mean that that South kind of football is doomed for the next decade. It doesn't mean, you know, it's it's just one game. But again, if you followed along with Gamecock Nation on social media this week, you would literally what you see. I think Anthony is the PTSD from the Will Muschamp era. I mean, that's that's really what it is. And bad offenses and bad offensive coordinators. And I think also what plays into the mood right now is the college football playoff rankings dropping last night. You got Tennessee number one. You got Clemson up there. You got Georgia up there. And seeing your biggest rivals have success. And I know this is sort of out of left field and kind of random, but it's just I, I've thought this for a while, and I've told people before, Anthony, that I, I feel like National folks look at South Carolina football and feel like, hey, they're trending in the right direction. Beamer's doing a great job. You talk to Gamecock fans, and it's it's a roller coaster week after week. I mean, last week, this time, we're smoking the Aggie Pack. We're dancing on A&M's graves, right? We've won four in a row. We're never going to lose again. And then this week, Carolina's never going to win again. I it's just <laughs> – and that's why I love having you on, I because I feel like you bring a sobering national perspective to where it's like, just because your rivals are doing this or this one game happened, that South Carolina football is still in a good position. You know, as long as Shane Beamer can make the necessary adjustments, you know, things are still on course. And the Gamecocks football program, you know, it doesn't need to be burned down, you know, things. It's one game. It's just one loss. Again, I, I just – I love bringing your national perspective in because I feel like national folks see it much differently than fans who are so close to the program see it.
2: That's why I love college football, right? I mean, just the passion. You just see it on a weekly basis and you definitely see it with South Carolina. It's, um, it, I would say in the 90th percentile in terms of just passionate fan bases It's one of the best, in my opinion. Um, but sometimes you will get the overreactions in the wrong direction. Um, the sky's not falling, right? I mean, it's not a horrible loss. and. I think the, the positive to take away from it is that, you know, Vegas didn't expect this to be a blowout win for South Carolina, right? I didn't expect it to be a blowout win for South Carolina. Um, you know, there's definitely plenty of reason to show that, hey, this is going to be a closer game than expected, right? It's not like you you lost to a, a group of five team at home, right? I mean, this is still an SEC program, um, you're trending in the right direction. You know, may, maybe if you lose this week to Vandy – Maybe it's a different conversation, but I don't anticipate that happening. I think overall, I think a big thing to do with it, too, is just, hey, I mean, just the the hype in the offseason. Right. You know, you get all these players, you know, three key offensive transfers uh, with number seven being the most important one. You're like, hey, we might have a superstar quarterback and you haven't really seen that. And I think that probably plays to it. Um, but I mean, there's this is still a good season. They got going right They're five and three. I mean. The program was in champions, right? I mean, it was as bad as it possibly could be when Beamer was taking over, right? And I think just getting it to this point where there is optimism is definitely encouraging, right? I mean, you, you still beat Kentucky on the road. You, I don't care they didn't have their backup. You beat Kentucky on the road. You beat Texas A&M. I mean, those are two great wins there. So I think, um, you know, maybe it's a different conversation if you, you lose to Kentucky, but you beat Missouri, and that's a trade-off. But I think overall, there's still plenty of reason to be encouraged, and you know, I think you look at the next, you know, few games, and you're like, okay, maybe they can do something here and make a little noise, and you know, kind of, I would say sizzle the the, the panic. Um, I, I definitely think that they will still stay on course. It May not be nine and three this year, um, but you know, eventually, I think they could probably get to those standards with this uh, with Beamer leading the way.
1: Anthony, death, taxes, and Gamecocks football finding a way to beat Vanderbilt. It's been 13 straight games. It doesn't matter, it seems, how good South Carolina is or how bad South Carolina is. They just simply put, <clears throat> find a way to win these matchups against the Commodores. I mean, heck, you look at last year, Zeb Nolan, the hero, coming off the bench. It's somehow, the Gamecocks escaped death in that one. But when you take a look at Vandy, what do the numbers tell you? I actually like Clark Lee. I think Clark Lee's doing a good job in Nashville, and I see Vanderbilt. I think they're, like, uh, renovating some of the stadium, or they've got some stadium add ons so Looks it like, looks like they're trying to invest a little bit more in football. Um, played some tough games early on in the season. You know, got blown out by Georgia, which a lot of teams get blown out by Georgia. And then played Missouri really close. You could argue should have beaten Missouri, who uh, the Gamecocks just lost to. But when you look at Vanderbilt specifically – what do the numbers tell you and what do you see?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I know I just said that the, the program that Beamer kind of inherited was in, you know, in shambles and as bad as it could get. What Clark Lee inherited was definitely worse. Um, that takes significant time and effort to kind of get back on track. And it's that's a slow, slow train there for Vanderbilt. But I definitely am a big fan of Clark Lee. Um, I like his support staff there, too. I mean, Martin Simmons there, the GM for Vandy. Um, They got smart people in there and I think they're going to get there eventually right now, this year, it's not quite there yet. I know they got off to a hot start, but as we're seeing in sec play just hasn't been, it's been Vandy typically, Um, you know, just looking at what they have offensively, you know, I I really like uh, McGowan, the wide receiver for true. He's a true freshman. Um, I think he's going to be, you know, Probably, I don't want to say a star, but he's going to be one of the better players to come out of Andy in quite some time. I mean, he's a weapon on scheme touches, um, just a great athlete in space. Um, he's definitely one to look at. Will Shepard, I mean, he's been a reliable player for him. Um, but overall, this receiving room really, really struggles to play with physicality, right? I mean, they really don't take that in well. And then you look at the quarterback situation, A.J. Swan, true freshman. He played outstanding against Northern Illinois like over a month ago. But since then, when he's getting into some of these tougher defenses, it's kind of been downhill. It's been what we've seen at the quarterback position at Vandy for a while. And so I look at this offense and just look at South Carolina's defense and say, you know, this is a pretty, pretty tough matchup for the Commodores just because I I think with South Carolina, now they have been a little less aggressive in recent weeks, but I would probably expect that to go back to what it was in the first – you know, few games of the season, especially when they're playing that lackluster competition, I probably suspect they're going to blitz heck of a heck of a ton. They're probably at half the time. Um, I think they'll probably play more man coverage and make it difficult on those receivers. Um, I think it's going to be overall just a, a tough matchup for the Vanderbilt offense. And, you know, I think from a defensive perspective, they have some guys there, right? I mean, Orgy's a great off-ball linebacker for him. I mean, he had one of the best, performances really i've seen all season just a couple of weeks ago um against mizzou um but overall i think they're just kind of lacking the bodies in the secondary um even on the defensive line you could argue so i I think it's a good opportunity for south carolina's offense to get back on track i feel like i've said that several times this year um i mean they they got to do something against this type of defense but i think overall even if it's the same old story with south carolina's offense you just look at south carolina's defense against vandy's offense and they're just not ready yet. I think they'll get there eventually, but it's still kind of the same story for, for the Vandy offense. So I think that's where South Carolina has the advantage, and that's where I look at this game and say I would be pretty shocked if South Carolina didn't win, even by multiple scores. I know this, I've seen the point spread, and I think that's an overreaction. Um, I think the the Vegas lines are something people still devalue. I mean, there's not, no better form out there. You can look at all the power rankings you want. The, they that's the, the most accurate representation. Um, but that's not to say from time to time I don't disagree with them. And at that point, that's when I get my my card out and I put a little bit something on the game. And this is what I'm going to be because I just think this is too much of an overreaction there. I uh, was like six and a half seven points last.
1: Yeah. I was going to say, too, Anthony, the uh, Vanderbilt secondary, I believe they're second to last or dead last in the SEC in passing defense. So, like you mentioned, this should be a great opportunity for guys – like Juice Wells, Josh Van. I mean, if Jaheim Bell's just not force-fed the football. You know, it was our friend Brad Crawford that, uh, uh, you know, I want to say he was joking, but I think he was half serious. He said, you're going to see South Carolina go three direct snaps to Jaheim Bell, and he might even kick the punt on the first drive just to prove a point that they're going to get him the football. Um, I I I tend to agree with you, man. You know, I'm not someone I don't normally – uh, like to drop my prediction early, and I haven't dropped the score, but my best bet is South Carolina minus six and a half. You know, I look at this, Anthony, very similarly to when South Carolina was coming off the loss to Georgia and everybody was down and out, sort of doom and gloom, if you will, and season's over, whatever, and you're going into Charlotte, and and, and I know the competition much, much different, right? I'm not trying to say Vanderbilt to Charlotte any means, but it felt like an overreaction in that one too, and I expected a bounce-back game from South Carolina, and I said then – Buy low, sell high. I'm in that same mindset this week. I agree with you. Maybe at seven and a half, what it opened at, I wouldn't touch it. But six and a half, I'm on South kind of all day. I'll let you talk a little bit further on that, just the number and your overall prediction, how you see this one going.
2: Yeah, I mean, again, like with the Mizzou game, it was a little bit tougher of a matchup. than I think if you just look at these two teams aside from themselves, like, okay, South Carolina is a better team. They've had more success this year. They should win by a lot. But the matchup there – it's a little bit tougher for South Carolina. This is just a completely different situation there. Um, I haven't seen the total. I can't remember the total on that. Do you 48 know, do you... and a
1: half. In this what game. was it? The, the, the total in this game is 48 and a half. Okay, so. Now, under I mean, the underfield feels too easy. That, that's honestly why I didn't.
2: Right. And, you know, again, it goes back to that matchup. I just – I can't see Vandy scoring a lot. I mean, if it does, it's going to be from a mistake from South Carolina's defense. I think if I had to put a score projection out there, it should probably be like a, you know, a 30 to 10 type of game with the South Carolina victory. I just, I would be shocked if we saw Vandy score, you know, more than a couple of touchdowns at the most. It's just, I don't think they have the people on offense to kind of exploit any way South Carolina's defense. I think it should be, you know, a a good day for Darius Rush, Cam Smith, and even the freshmen back there that I think have been playing above expectation this year. I think they a little bit struggled last week, but overall, I mean, I think it's been a a good group there. So I think it should be a strong day for the, the South Carolina secondary. And I think we'll probably see somewhere in that, that ballpark, 30 to 10. That's my, my early prediction on it.
1: Anthony, I think if you keep it simple, get the football to your playmakers, just let them make plays. I think you're going to have a very fun night in Nashville, and I tend to agree with you again, all your points on that game. And uh, like I said, things are never as good as they seem, but things are also never as bad as they seem. I think you and I both expecting a big bounce-back performance from the Gamecocks this weekend. Uh, Before I get you out of here, Anthony, the SEC slate, what a good one, man, highlighted by Georgia-Tennessee. I will be watching that one. Uh, What are some of your favorite plays of the week, games of the week? And, of course, if you want to talk, That game in Athens, I think a lot of folks look in Tennessee number one in the college football playoff rankings. Do they hold on to that Does it continues? Do you see the balls beating the dogs?
2: Yeah, I mean, that's one where I'm wrestling with. With the Bama-LSU game, I think it's probably going to be Bama comfortably, I think, with the way LSU kind of plays with Jalen Daniels. Um, you know, Daniel's is just too reliant on his scrambling ability. Bama's got some athletes on defense, obviously, and I think they're going to be able to kind of reel that in, force him to throw the ball. Um, you know, against Auburn, he took 31 dropbacks. He had eight completions, right? I mean, he's, he's not that talented of a passer. I think he's going to have some issues there. So I think Bama's probably going to coast in that one. But I think we're going to get an exciting one with Georgia, Tennessee. It's just hard to expect what you're going to see there. And I look at this, I just kind of seeing people talk about it. I still don't think Coach Heupel's getting enough credit. Um, I, I know I get the hype for Hidden Hooker and Jalen Hyatt, but Coach Hypo, I mean, this is this is one of the best offensive designs that even SEC defenses can't contain, right? They, they put Nick Saban in a bind. <laughs> I mean, it's just a you know a unique way to play the game. It's a simplified way for the players. I mean, it's it's really painless for them to kind of grasp what's going on, but it's still incredibly difficult to defend, and that's kind of the perfect storm that you want at the collegiate level. So. I mean, it's definitely one of the better coaching jobs that really we've seen, I think, Um, you know, over the last decade with what Coach Heupel's doing at Tennessee. I think no matter what happens, Tennessee fans have reason. I don't care if Tennessee loses by 20, 30. I mean, you still have to be ecstatic with what has happened so far this year and where the program's at. Um, So, for that game, I'm staying away from that game. I'm just going to be excited to watch it. But, again, I think Bama and LSU, that's the one I'm a little bit more comfortable with thinking – I think Bama's going to – you know, be Bama, and I think they're probably going to troll LSU, who maybe is just a little little overhyped. Um, and I know my, my pal South Carolina over in the other room visiting PFF headquarters is going to be sad if he can overhear me. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's going to be an exciting week in a college football. There's no doubt about that.
1: Gamecocks fans, blood are boiling hearing you talk about that Tennessee offense. I can assure you. I'll ask you this, too. Do you feel like Tennessee this season, you mentioned the job Josh Heupel's doing. Obviously, he's doing an incredible job. Do you feel like when you look at Tennessee that this is a kind of a one-year magical season, kind of like LSU had in 2019? Or do you see Tennessee as kind of they've arrived under Heupel and they're going to be a year-in, year-out contender now in the East?
2: That's a good question. Um, I mean, you could see the recruiting impact, right? I mean, they're getting they're getting some highly regarded players. I mean, I just saw they got a yesterday they had a five star top ten recruit, I think twenty twenty four. Maybe it could be wrong with that. Um, but, you know, getting the, those types of receiver talents. I mean, that that's huge. And you know, I know that they got a big five star coming in at quarterback as well. Um, so I think I'm, I'm more curious to see how this offense is going to evolve, right? If whether or not there's any wrinkles added how much it changes. Um, and I think that will kind of answer that question. So I think it's, I think it's tough to call right now, whether this is going to be a yearly sustained thing. I think this year, obviously is just the perfect storm, right? I think having Hooker in that system for you know, the second season, kind of getting him up to speed again, it's really simple compared to other offenses. It's I, I, I think hooker has been playing great, but it is the most quarterback friendly offense in college football. So it's very painless for him. Um, But he's carrying it out at a high level. So, I think it's a little too early to say whether or not this is just a one-year wonder. Um, But I think overall it's hard to say that Tennessee is not going to be anything but highly competitive in the years to come. It's just whether or not they're going to be, okay, Tennessee's elite. They're you know, trying to get the national title type
1: of level. Anthony Treesh of Pro Football Focus. Y'all check out his work. Go follow him on social media. And, Anthony, I'm digging the quarter zip, man quarter zip season officially here i love it i, I appreciate <laughs> that i know i'm not in fire. It's a little gloomy here so yeah yeah dude, it's, like, it's like a high 80s here but the quarter zip is fire my friend that is uh i like that i like that it's good living. i appreciate that <laughs> all right man hey always appreciate you my friend looking forward to doing it again next week yes sir take care hey, man. take care great stuff from anthony Treesh of pro football focus again really appreciate anthony taking the time with that being said, guys, uh, we will take your questions, your comments, your calls. Let me go ahead and open up the phone lines. There we go, Eight four three seven nine zero three three seven seven. 3377 We got a text here. It says, will Spencer come back for another season and have a hooker type of year? Well, I think it depends a lot on who is calling the plays. If Marcus Satterfield's back for whatever reason, um, then you will not see uh, – Spencer Rattler back in Columbia. Let's see. Marcus Satterfield speaking on Jaheim Bell. Says, I want to get him on the field. I want him to touch the ball a lot. He wasn't in the rally mode packages. Says, he's going to have chances every game, just whether the ball gets to it or not. When he does get the ball, he's special. Press one. What's going on, man? How are you? Good. How are you today? I am doing well. Appreciate you asking what's going on. Good. I got a couple of points here, but I'm, up, I'm from up north, so it's not going to take that long. <laughs> I got you. I appreciate um, it. When,
5: when it. When it comes to this Jaheim uh, Bell situation, I mean, you got to look at talent. Teams with better talent than us on paper. Teams with less talent than us on, on paper. You know, they figure out who they need in the game. You know, obviously you got Bauer, and McConkie, Georgia. They figure out they need them on the field. We just played Missouri. They knew that they needed Lovett and Schrader on the field. I mean, we got to be able to figure out to get our playmakers on the field and get them the ball. That's a management thing. That's not a personnel thing. I mean, would you agree with that?
1: I no, I would agree. I I would agree, 110 percent. Yeah, I would absolutely agree. You
5: know, and you got these other folks screaming and yelling. A bench rattler. You know, remember last year our offense sputtered all year long. We went six and six. We had a great day against North Carolina. We ran four quarterbacks through this system, and now we're on number five. I'm not, this is not
1: a personnel issue. This is a system issue that's got to change. Yeah. I would agree. I uh, I would agree. And I I think change is coming, my friend. I will say that. I think change is coming indeed. I think it's inevitable.
5: Yep. And and my last point here is I I watched the conference yesterday, and Shane Beamer definitely changed his tone from the day before where they asked him about changing play callers, and he emphatically stated nope well yesterday he must have had a talk to somebody because all of a sudden he was in the camp where we're going to do whatever we need to make uh make some good changes for the team
6: yeah you know
5: so, yeah. It, it's basically it. it's all i got i see people mm-hmm. looking for spencer rattlers head off platter I, i'm not he's the best quarterback on the team uh you can't take that guy off the field yeah.
1: Yeah, I tend to agree with you. Listen, I, I I think folks just want to change something, and they can't have Marcus Satterfield. So, who's next in line? Like I mentioned earlier, man, Spencer Rattler's up. And, yeah, I agree with you. I, I don't think you really solve anything taking the best overall quarterback off the field. I, I, I just don't. So. I agree with you. And, well, listen, that's it for me. So, have a great day and uh, enjoy the weather. Hey, I appreciate the call, man. Thank you so much. Great stuff there. Great insight. Uh, Guys, let's go ahead and jump into our first break. Marcus Satterfield is speaking to the media, and I want to touch on a couple of these comments, uh, and I want to get them out on social media. We'll go ahead. We'll jump into a break, guys. After that, we are rocking. We are rolling, taking your questions, your comments, your calls, all that and more. On the other side, you're tuned in to the Daily Crow. All right, guys, we're back here on this Wednesday, November the 2nd, taking your questions, your comments, your calls. I first want to say thank you to Anthony Treesh of Pro Football Focus. I just noticed something is missing. see if I can reach around and get this. Woo! How about this guy? Shout out my guy Travis Ward, by the way. Cocky lids. Be sure you follow him. Let's see. There we go. Love it. Love it. Uh, guys, we we'll be back in studio on Friday. Excited, <laughs> enjoying the time away, but uh, still enjoying rocking with you guys. Let's jump to the here. Dalton, what's up, man? How are you? How's it going? Oh, um, it's going well. My friend. I just
7: wanted to do a, I just wanted to uh, call today and and sort of ask get your take on this. I know that you know uh, the preseason, you said that. It's hard to say that you had a successful season if you, you know, lose to Mizzou. And obviously, you know, after the loss on Saturday, you know, I, I still agree with you. I think that Mizzou was one of the bigger letdown losses that we've experienced. But would you say this this season would be a success if we end up, you know, winning against Vanderbilt and then losing the next three barring, you know, uh, an upset against mm. Florida, which is possible, and then obviously huge upsets against Tennessee or Clemson. Yeah. Would you say a 6-6 six and six season, a similar record as what we had last year um, with obviously better personnel on the offensive side of the ball, would you say that that's successful in year two?
1: I think success would be a little bit too strong of a word. Um I don't know if you can really view it pass or fail, um, you know, just because you didn't get an A doesn't mean you got an F, right? So I I, I would not call six and six, you know, I, I would not say it, it, that was a successful year, especially like you mentioned, you lose to Mizzou, and then you just lose the last three, like you mentioned, and. You know, there's a, there's a good chance that Tennessee and Clemson are not competitive ball games, and I hate to say that right now, but they're just there is that chance, at minimum Tennessee. Um, and I even said over the summer, man, that, you know, listen, I look at the Shane Beamer era this way, and, and some may not, but I think the farther away you get from the program, if you look at the 30,000-foot view, as long as Shane Beamer in the first three to four years, in my opinion, is, is going to postseasons, going to bowl games, and is recruiting at a high level, you're building the program, right? And you have positive momentum. You're winning between six to eight games the first three to four years, and you're stacking recruiting classes, similar to what Spurrier did, right, in his first four to five seasons in Columbia. But, no, I mean, year two, going six and six, the way it's gone with the personnel you have and you couple that with that loss to Mizzou, I will not come down on any Gamecock fan for – for feeling like they did not get the return on their investment or did not get the return on the additions in which we uh, in which we added over the offseason, the preseason, via the portal, what have you. So, again, I mean, is it a success-failure conversation? You know, like, like for example, if you go six and six, I'm not grading the season an A, right? Like, it was a success. Um, you know, I'm also probably not giving it an F. I don't think it was a, an utter failure, but, I, I you know, to say six and six is a glowing success, I think might be a little bit strong. I mean, again, I'm not going to be ready to hold Shane Beamer to the fire or anything, but but most certainly we all agree. Obviously, right now, uh, I mean, no matter what record you finish with, that changes need to be made. So, um, you know, I, I said it over the summer, and I'll stand by it, man. I, I won't, I won't blame any Gamecock fan for feeling like they didn't get. What they hoped for, and they feel like they were left desiring more after a six and six finish. So I, I don't know if that's a great answer to your question, um, but I, let me put it this way: I will not be after the Clemson game. We finished six and six. Be the one following that game, going on social media, like, "Hey guys, keep your keep your head up because we had a successful season going six and 6 I, I'm not going to quite well, li- the, live there. You know, what I mean? you know what I mean. So, uh, well, to, to follow that up, let me <clears throat> let me just
7: follow up for you so Mm -hmm. obviously you know you've talked about it before you know obviously two three of our rivals that we play every year Mm -hmm. and who you know South Carolina fans have a deep hatred for are ranked in the top four of the college football playoffs Mm -hmm. this year Georgia Mm -hmm. Tennessee Clemson Mm -hmm. it's possible that we have to play three number one teams throughout the season Georgia we played them number one we got smoked Tennessee could be number one when we play them. Don't know what's going to happen. Uh, Clemson could be number one. Most likely will be top four when we play them, barring an upset. Mm. So my question to you is, obviously Gamecock fans want to see this program get to a position where we can be competitive against teams like that. Mm. Do you think that – that under Shane Beamer, we are going to get there? Or, or from what you've seen, like, do you feel like we're, we're just only going to get a couple upsets and really, you know, seven and five is, is kind of be going to be our cap against, you know, the Kentuckys and the Mizzou's mm-hmm. and maybe if there's a mediocre Florida team, something like that. Because obviously one of the reasons why I don't think very many fans think that this season has been a success or mm-hmm. – or want to see more out of this team is because those, you know, are our biggest rivals. Mm-hmm. And we have, you know, a seven, eight game losing streak against Clemson. We have, you know, a three or four game losing streak against Tennessee. And if we don't turn it around quickly, or if they don't get real bad real quick, then that's probably going to continue um, here. So do, mm-hmm. do you think that we're going to get to being competitive because <laughs> When we play ranked teams in the top ten, like none of our games against them have been competitive right. in the last five years. Right. And I mean showing up to those absolute slaughterings like on our home field where we just have,
3: mm-hmm. you
7: know, opposing fan bases coming in thinking that it's gonna be an easy game doesn't sit well with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And I don't I don't think it should.
1: Yeah. Oh, I don't think it should either. Now, to your point about asking, do I think Shane Beamer's the guy to get South Carolina to that mark or even close to that mark? I I, I can tell you this, my man. If I didn't think that, I I wouldn't wear his name on my body. Like I, I wouldn't put his name on merchandise. I wouldn't be behind Shane Beamer the way I am. Right. I mean, I, I know that to some degree, right. Even those that, that, that deny it right now, like even when Will Muschamp was hired, you could have thought the hire was terrible and that he stunk and it wasn't going to work, but he's your football coach. Right. At least until he proves to you, he's not the guy, you got to be behind him 110%. Right. So, I mean, I'm behind Shane Beamer. I believe that. And I said this over the summer and, and I'll, and I'll echo this once again. Shane Beamer, now when you talk about what Tennessee's doing, for example, or even what Clemson's doing, right? Certainly what Georgia's done. When you talk about what those teams are doing and our rivals, and we want to be where our rivals are. And so you tell Shane Beamer that, hey, we want to be where our rivals are. Shane Beamer is trying to do something that even Steve Spurrier didn't do. Shane Beamer is trying to do something that has never, ever, 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 ever been done at South Carolina before. So I can't guarantee you that Shane Beamer is going to take South Carolina to the quote-unquote promised land. If your definition of the promised land is being number one in the country, winning the SEC, winning a national championship, I can't promise and guarantee you that he's going to do that because history would tell us that's not going to happen, right? I know history doesn't matter, but normally history gives us some good idea of what to expect in the future. Now, what I will say about Shane Beamer is this. I am confident that Shane Beamer is going to do everything in his power, right, to get South Carolina to that level. He's going to make every decision. Every decision he makes is going to be fueled by what's best for the University of South Carolina. And I do believe that Shane Beamer is going to leave Carolina football in a much, much better place than he found it. Shane Beamer might not be the guy to get Carolina to number one. But he might be the guy that gets you to the guy, right? He might. And I don't know, man. It's the middle of year, two. I, I can't give you a 110%. But I believe he's the guy. I believe he is. Because if you don't believe that, why did you hire him in the first place, right? Did you just hire a coach yeah, just, I mean, to, I, just to I, retrieve you from the depths? And and I'll say this, Dalton, and I'm going to let you go. but And I, I would agree, though, Shane Beamer is going to do what's best for Carolina. What's best for Carolina? If it's at the end of the season, that's totally fine. I'm not holding holding it against Beamer that he doesn't want to make the move right now. It is what it is. I'm sure it's a much more complicated thing, right, behind closed doors to make it happen than people give it credit for. But what's best for Carolina is moving off of Marcus Satterfield. Let's give him the opportunity to make that move, right? Let's give him the opportunity to make that move.
7: Yeah, I mean, my my last comment would be this, is that obviously, you know, if you're going to get to the point where – I'm not even asking that we have to beat all three of these, you know, top five teams every single year. I I just want to see competitive games. And obviously it doesn't help when, you know, you get ranked for the first time and however long you get on a four-game winning streak and then you lose and you're unranked the next week. And, you know, all that momentum is lost and you've got everybody clowning on you thinking that it's, you know, mm-hmm. you, you're just the same old character. I mean, listen,
1: I agree with you. So, that's that's got to stop like the, the 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 problem isn't that you're I mean, it is that you're losing to your rivals. Don't get me wrong. But the main problem is how it's happening. You know, like Georgia just I mean, it's just not even a competitive game. Right. Like like to your point, it's not fun going into the week of those games when you're a 24 point underdog. 27 point under it's like it's like you know the Vegas spread doesn't mean everything, but as Anthony trees just pointed out, and you know this, Dalton, you're a gambler, like that gives you a pretty good indication. And when you're that big of an underdog, you see that number and you're like, I mean, our, our odds of winning are literally 0.001%. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like what happened in 2019 was truly a miracle, right? So, you know, Clemson beating you the way they have, and I no, no, I I agree with you a hundred and ten percent, man, because You know, you look at Steve Spurrier when he first took over, and I know it's Coach Spurrier, and I'm not trying to compare Spurrier and Beamer, but those teams early in the Spurrier tenure, they got blown out. Don't get me wrong, but very often, and more often than not, they were very competitive, right? And they played above their talent level, I think, a lot of times. So, listen, I agree with you, man. I agree 110%, especially when it's on your home field. It's it's just tough, and it's really just flat-out inexcusable to – to just get run up and down the field, especially by your most hated rivals, and it's something that's got to stop.
7: All right, man. Well, uh, thank you for uh, letting me share my thoughts today, and you have a good one.
1: Dalton, I appreciate it, man. Always a pleasure chatting with you. Yeah, Dalton always does a great job, and I really appreciate him calling in. Let's see. Um, I I see, by the way, Coleman Hall commenting, already giving an exit speech for Beamer. No, Coleman, that's absolutely not what I'm doing. Um, I, I was just asked this question a lot over the summer about Shane Beamer. And, hey, Chris, do you think Shane Beamer is the guy to, to lead us to, excuse me, lead us to the SEC championship or the national title? And Coleman, I'm just echoing what I said over the summer that I I, I don't know that you can say 110% yes or no. I, I just, you know, Steve Spurrier couldn't do it. So it, it's going to take something really special to make it happen. But I do feel confident with that being said, that when we look back on Shane Beamer's tenure as head coach, we're going to say that, you know, he put us in a great position to do that. If, if he's not, again, he might very well be the guy. Um, it, it's just too early to tell, but I, I feel confident in what Beamer's doing. I, I'm not out on Beamer, obviously. Um, and this next OC will determine – What Gamecock fans think about him? I mean, I I think it's what's interesting. Again, it's not the fact that South Carolina is five and three. It's not the fact, if we're really honest with ourselves, it's not the fact we're five and three. It's not the fact we lost in Mizzou. It's the fact that we're just the offense is so bad, And, and like that's becoming our brand is bad offense. It's it's just it looks so out of sorts. It's, it's, it's hard to watch a lot of the time. And Beamer ball doesn't mean that you have to be bad offensively, right? That's what it comes down to. I mean, if you're five and three, it's just like I said, last year, you went six and six, then seven and six with a bowl game, right? Six and six, seven and six with a bowl win. But it didn't feel great because the offense sucked, right? And then you see this year, it's the same problems, if not worse. So you're five and three. I mean, you've beaten, I mean, Guys, there ain't a Gamecock fan out there. If you are, you're lying to yourself. If I laid out the exact scenario right now, right? Maybe I don't tell you scores, but I laid out the scenario. Hey, you're going to lose to Mizzou, but you're going to beat Texas A&M and Kentucky. You're going to be five and three going in your last four. I, I, I don't think there's a Gamecock fan out there that wouldn't have taken that, but it's just simply put how it's happened and that <clears throat> it's been so ugly on the offensive side. and Spencer Rattler's statistics and Jaheen Bell's lack of touches and and I get that. I mean, I, I I can't be a hypocrite. I preached all preseason that how you win and lose games is what it comes down to. And you, you've just looked as, as ugly and pathetic as you possibly could throughout, throughout this season. So let's jump to the whole lines. Aaron, what's up, man? How are you?
4: Oh, man, I'm chilling, listening to the show. My day off. My lady ain't here this time, so we won't get interrupted. Uh, I'm just thinking about what you've been saying, uh, uh, starting with last year. And I think I asked this question. I I think I asked this question to you over the summer. Like, what's a big win? That's what. That's what gets me. That's what gets me going. I heard. I think I heard one national uh, guy who was talking about the program was like, South Carolina has. You know, the big wins have come against. Uh, Clemson, you know, I told you, a Clemson fan said this to me the other day. Well, that was last week, mm-hmm. about how, you know, the quarterbacks were hurt. And that, but you know what, take advantage of it. That's what I say. But the, how many times has the South Carolina team come into the game where their best player's been hurt or, you know, second or third best player hadn't been healthy? And, you know, they, they beat our boys over the head, so – let us do the same thing
3: mm-hmm.
4: but i just don't i don't see the big win and mm-hmm. i always talk about the the good the, i want to see him out out coach the other sideline in, in a in a big game that's the thing that gets me that's yeah. what that's what i, I want to see i want to i want to see him be a mastermind on the sideline i i want to see it actually out coach the other sideline well, it's like a, a coaching clinic, it, like what Eli Drinkowitz did. Like, that was a, a monster coaching job. You get where I'm going?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, I, I think the, the harsh reality is this, and Savelle Newton pointed this out on Twitter. You know, people are asking questions about, you know, like why is Josh Heifel doing this? Why is Eli Drinkwitz doing this? Why is somebody else doing well, Shane Beamer's never been a coach before. <laughs> never been a head coach till, till, till last year. So yeah, man, I think we got a rookie head coach. And I mean, I love Beamer, but he's learning as we go. So, um, you know, and and he will probably look back and say, Hey, I made the mistake of, of hiring Marcus Satterfield. And I brought my buddy along. Let's not forget that uh, he, he wanted to retain Mike Bobo and keep him in Columbia. And then he was kind of put up against it when Bobo left and, you know, went to SAT. So, uh, you know, listen, I, I understand people's – and I know this isn't your – I'm reading some of the comments as you're chatting, and I, I apologize if they're hard to ignore. But, um, I, I listen, I, I agree with you, right? The thing I miss so much about the HBC days is, you know, it didn't matter what the spread was. It didn't matter who we were playing. You knew because of that guy on the sidelines, right, we had a chance. You just knew he was going to scheme it up you knew we were going to be the better coach team most likely that day. Right. I mean, you just knew it. So um, I don't, I, that's, that's not where we are right now. I, you know, how are you going to expect a year two coach to go out, coach a coach who's been doing it for a long time. Right. It's it just, uh, and I'm not saying that to say Shane Beamer's a bad coach. Right. I, I'm, I'm not saying that at all, but uh, you know, he, he's got a slap dick OC. And I don't know what to tell you. Listen, Gamecock fans are up in arms. To all you people bitching and moaning, it's not happening today. It's probably not happening next week either. It's going to be an end of season thing, and so I guess folks are going to just have to have to vent through it. And however you cope with it, it's how you cope with it. But I just I don't think that move's being made, man. I, I just Beamer's not making a move based off what somebody on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or even what I say. He's not making that move, man. It's it's just not going to be on our timeline.
4: So you say you say okay, and I agree. Shane Beamer's learning on he's learning on the job, right? When do when do we we when do you think the narrative will be when is that when is that narrative going to be behind him hmm. because he's not a rookie anymore it's right second, oh yeah it's, it's it's the second year and you, uh, I mean last year was not a great year last year was good he hmm. he overachieved.
1: Are you are you saying when when, when when will the narrative of him being a rookie head coach be behind him in the sense of like people won't use it as an excuse anymore or people won't? I, that, that, let's go. Let's go there. Right. I mean, this is a talk show.
4: We yeah. this is a talk show. We can take that. We can take that narrative anywhere. Yeah. Anywhere.
1: Well, we can we yeah.
4: take it any
1: way we like it. Well, I think. Listen, Aaron. I, I think what you're seeing right now shows you. I mean, I, I don't think even a lot of people are using that as an excuse. Shane Beamer is not immune to the pressures. You know, when, when, it's, when it's the summertime and, you know, you, you won your last game against UNC or, or uh, you know, you, you've won four in a row and you beat A&M. When things are going well, right, everybody, everybody tells you they're, they're Beamer ball to the moon and, and they love Shane Beamer. But, man, the second things start to go south, or the second Shane Beamer shows he's unwilling to make a move on an OC that Gamecock Nation thinks he needs to fire, Shane Beamer's not immune, man, to the pressures of winning in the SEC. I mean, if it's year I, – I, I'm locked in for the long haul. I think that South Carolina should give Shane Beamer time to build. I think as long as he's going to postseasons, again, first four to five years he's building the program. But if he's reached year four – definitely year five and it's still a six and six product, Beamer's not immune to the pressures that are going to come with that. See, we gave Spurrier time, right? Because what are you going to do? Fire because Steve Spurrier? Right, right. What are you going to do? Fire yeah. Steve Spurrier. Man, if, if, if in this, in this, in this instant gratification, win now mode in college football, I think if it's by year four and Beamer and Beamer isn't isn't winning big? I, I think you'll you'll have folks calling for his head, no doubt. I think there will be people calling. I just it's it's dude. It's in college football, and if our rivals, especially, they continue to have success, I think Beamer will get four years. And I and I think you know that's just the new age of college football, man. You just don't get seven, eight, nine years to build a program.
4: So this is this is what this is my fear. Rattler is a big time. Rattler is a big time quarterback. I mean, from the outside looking in, that's that's the impression that the whole entire college football world like, yo, Rattler chose South Carolina. Something big time is going on down there. Mm-hmm. And so far, I mean, he still got four games to turn around. But so far, he's crafted big. Mm-hmm. Who be who behind him do we see developing into a quarterback that can carry this team? That's a, that's that's what I fear. No, I I don't see. We don't know because none of those guys have really hit the field. I don't see anyone to the level of Rattler. But then again, there's Satterfield as the as, as the uh. OC, but then the new guy coming in is going to have to develop those guys behind them. And a one or two year, you think you can see that in one or two years?
1: What well,
4: I, I think it's going to, yeah. have, I think it's going to have to be another portal
1: guy. Well, and I, I was just going to say this, man, to your to your point. This is maybe kind of a <clears throat> off the subject, but this, if I, in my personal opinion, I could be totally wrong, but from my vantage point, I, I think this year has. Massively hurt South Carolina in recruiting at the quarterback position. How, how could it not? If I'm Josh Heupel, if I'm any coach in the SEC, and I'm going up against Carolina for a big-time quarterback recruit, I am literally referencing. I mean, look, they they ruined Spencer Rattler's career. Why would you go there? They're not going to get the most out of you. Like, dude, I, I I just I I think it is. I think it is. You you are naive if you think that this year what what uh, what we've done with Spencer Rattler is is it's it's an indictment it's an indictment and and again I think getting rid of the OC is the only way you start to really salvage it um, to show that hey we're making changes on the offensive side and um, you know so I I think that's what you got to do I, again we all know what needs to happen but uh, yeah so.
4: Yeah, Rattler, Rattler is. I don't see him moving on. He may move to another. He may. He may go to another team. But developing that next guy is going to. It's going to be the freaking hurdle. Yeah. And and then thinking you're gonna lose. You're gonna lose Zach Pickens. Uh, Cam Smith is gone. And who do we have? The uh, That was the thing I saw with the defense well this year coming in you mm-hmm. can't lose your best safety your best one of your best defensive linemen and expect the defense to be better right. and you're going to be faced you're going to be facing that another year yeah. so uh, the the quarterback development the quarterback development worries me down the stretch mm-hmm. uh and next year really were uh but not worries me but i just I, I would like to see the program build on top of you know you went seven and six with the bowl game. You wanna you wanna hit seven or eight in the regular season. You you want to see it improve, but you know when you're looking and forecasting, you know it, it's tough. But again, we talk about it on YouTube, and you know if people get paid millions of dollars to coach this game. I'ma holler at you, bro.
1: Aaron, you're the man, man. I appreciate the call. All right. Great stuff from Aaron there. Uh, it's interesting to see a lot of the Spencer Rattler hate. I, I think there's a lot of fans that don't like him. <laughs> Just, um, I mean, people saying his, his career was ruined before he got to Columbia. I mean, I know he got, got benched last year, but he highly thought of I don't know. Austin, what's up, man? How are you? Doing well. How are you? I'm doing well, man. Appreciate you asking. What's up? By the way, it was great to meet you at the uh, at the game Saturday, and I know I already mentioned it, but appreciate the love with the, uh, the Beamer ball towels, man. That was awesome.
7: Yeah, man. I tried to go back to the recording on YouTube and find it, but I didn't see it. Uh, maybe I'll do it when I have more time. So, uh, I just wanted to say, so, I'm actually looking forward to seeing how Beamer manages the rest of the season. And, and you know, the, the – Kind of getting to my calm outlook after digesting the game mm. uh, the past few days. You know, you've got a most likely scenario of what's going to happen. It's, it's there's not a whole lot of surprise. Probably six and six, maybe seven and five. You got the Florida toss-up game because you get the same team that mm. beat, you know, Texas A&M and Kentucky. Even though the office offense didn't look great that can probably handle a Vanderbilt team, but you're also got the same team from Missouri. That's not going to do well against Tennessee and Clemson. You could have something crazy happen. You could beat Clemson. You could lose to Vandy, but chances are it's pretty straightforward. The rest of the season, you're going to see Beamer actually manage the media, which you mentioned in your, your podcast from this morning. And, you're going to see him manage a season where people are really conflicted. You're going to see what he does with the new O.C., with the new contract. Again, something crazy could happen, and Batterfield can get a new contract. But chances are you got an O.C. coming in. you got a top 15 recruiting class. Hopefully it stays there. And we actually get to see some growth and some management of the rest of the season by Beamer. And see how he matures as, as a head coach. That's what I'm looking
3: forward
1: to. Yeah, and I appreciate you tuning in the podcast this morning, man. Yeah, you know, when I said that uh, – I, I will be intrigued to see how Beamer handles the media moving forward. I mean, I, I think that's something that he's going to continue to evolve as a head coach and, and how he talks with the media. Um, I, I just – I'll tell you this, man, and I think I may have mentioned it on the pod, but I, I'll say it again. The only thing <clears throat> the only thing that's gonna make people feel better because no presser he has, no media availability is gonna make you feel better or any of us feel better. The only thing that's gonna make us feel better is go out and win. You know, go beat Vanderbilt and I, I'm not even sure like a win Saturday if it's if it's if it's sloppy, if it's ugly, if it's beamer ball, right? If the if the offense only accounts for 10 or 13 points and you know, you score two touchdowns off special teams and and, uh, and defense, right? I mean, even if you win, like nobody's gonna be happy about it. You really need to win the next two I, just just to just to to wash out that nasty taste from the Mizzou game. Um, outside of that, I, I don't really know. You know, beyond that, just firing Satterfield right now, I, I don't think there's anything he can say that's going to. In, in the meantime, I mean, I, I think it's going to be, you know, just kind of people continue. Like you mentioned, there's going to be this sense of discontent within the fan base, right? Uh, because Marcus Satterfield's employed, and Marcus Satterfield's our OC. So, uh, the, the problem is, too, you know, you look at how you close out the season with Tennessee and then Clemson. I mean, there's there's a there's a pretty high chance it's, it's not going to be a fun finish, right? So, mm-hmm. I, I don't know, man. I think Gamecock fans just sort of have to grin and bear it at this point. I, I mean, I just – I don't know. Like, I don't think there's an answer – in the short term, as I said yesterday, I, 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 what is the answer? The only answer is to go win the next two games. That's really it. So.
3: Yeah.
7: Well, let me present this situation to you and see how you feel about
3: it.
1: Mm
7: -hmm. Let's say the most likely and most optimal, most optimal likely scenario happens where we get that win against Florida. And we're going into a bowl game. We win that bowl game eight and five Mm -hmm. Eight and five, and it's announced there's a new OC coming, and top fifteen recruiting class. Mm -hmm. I feel like most people would be happy with that year too.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, I why why wouldn't you be right? I mean, I, I think a seven and five year, it's where everybody nationally had you picked, and I mean, dude, all things considered, all things considered, if you go, if you win the next two, and you let's just say. You win the next two, lose the following two. You go seven and five, all things considered with how bad your offense was, that, that's a victory. <laughs> that's it. And especially, like you said, if you win the bowl game. Um, I mean, an eight-win season in my mind, I, I'd gladly sign up for it right now. I mean, I said it over the summer that I'd take eight and four. I'd just take an eight-win season. Um, and as long as you do that and then move on from SAT, I'd, I'd, I'd be ecstatic with that year.
7: Yep, and let me throw one last thing at yeah.
1: you. And yeah. this
7: is this is a this is a source of a lot of my optimism. Mm-hmm. If, if you look at Beamer's strategy recruiting, he's recruiting in the trenches from high school, and he's kind of proven from last year that he's pulling his skill position and offense uh, playmakers from the portal. Mm-hmm. Look at his current class from high school. It, I think. Six or more of the, the four stars in there are all defensive and offensive line. Mm-hmm. So you pull in those trench guys who, who are kind of the foundation of teams from the high school ranks, and he's probably going to try to pull from the portal again for his playmakers.
3: Mm-hmm.
7: And I think that's probably a good foundation in this you know current NIL format where those skill high-name players – they, 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 go where they're going to get paid and they often don't stay there for four years.
1: Mark. Yeah, no, I, I think it is too. I mean, I, I think the portal has changed things and um, the portal should have paid off much better than it has for South Carolina this year. But unfortunately Marcus Satterfield has drove that, that car into the ditch. So I, you know, but yeah, I, I think certainly there, I think there's a balance too, right? Because. If, I think if you go too heavy in the portal, then you have high school kids. that are like, well, if I go there, I mean, they're just going to bring a portal guy in. I'm not going to get to play. So, I mean, that's Beamer's job as a head coach. That's why he's getting paid millions of dollars to manage the roster and, and bring the best possible players in there and, and, and pull off that, that balancing act, if you will. Um, <clears throat> but I, I definitely, yeah, I mean, I, I love what, you know, if we just talk recruiting, I mean, you love, uh, you love what you see or what you're seeing from the recruiting side of things. Um, yeah, I mean, the, 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 there's no complaints in that regard. They're addressing the issues at hand, in the recruiting side of things with the offensive line, defensive line, the big uglies up front. Uh, and, yeah, keep utilizing the portal to bring in playmakers. I mean, it, looked, it worked pretty well with Antoine Wells. I mean, he when he's touched the football, he's been a really good player for us. So, uh, I would expect that to continue, no doubt. Yeah, all right. Well, I appreciate you. Austin, I appreciate the call, man. You thank doing. you. Yeah, thank you so much, man. I appreciate the love. Appreciate it. Great stuff from Austin Greaseman. Uh, guys, let's go ahead and jump into a quick break. But on the other side, I want to continue to hear from you more of your questions, comments, calls, and more. You're tuned in to the Daily Crow. All right, guys, we're back. Taking your questions, comments, calls, 843-790-3377. Let me get to a text really quick. My guy, Tyler Knoll, shot this over. Uh, Somebody also has thoughts on Georgia-Tennessee this weekend. I tell you what, I I, I don't know if Tennessee's going to win, but the plus eight and a half is free money. Stealing. Absolutely stealing. Let's see. Tyler says, Chris, can't call and discuss this, but I have to ask this. Is Spencer really the best quarterback on our roster? Does he have elite arm talent? Sure you can say that. What has he done to show us that this year, if we're looking at 2020 highlights, the reason why he ha- he is as a fan base, he is us as a fan base of the lose. Threw me for a loop. I'll get to that after this call. Tick. Robbie Davis, what's up,
3: man? How are you? I'm doing fantastic. How are you enjoying? How are you enjoying the uh... – Last couple of days of a vacation, I'm assuming.
1: It's it's going well, man. I'm I'm enjoying it thoroughly. I appreciate you asking. What's up?
3: The main okay, the main thing that I want to see Saturday night, mm-hmm. okay. Whenever we play Vanderbilt, I'm gonna be honest with you. I am not expecting us to lose this game whatsoever. Okay. But this game right here with – and no disrespect to Randy, right? But with this game right here, with how horrible Vanderbilt has been in the, past, uh, the last several years, okay, we've beaten them, what, 13 years in a row, mm. okay? Some of them, in my opinion, were closer than what I, what I would have liked. But this game right here, this weekend, if we don't beat the ever-loving it, dog mess out of Andy from start to finish, or move the ball on on every drive and get points in some facet, I don't – like, just get points, okay? Field goals, touchdowns, I don't give a dern, okay? I don't care. But if we're not able if this if this offense is buttering against Vanderbilt, what more proof is Beamer going to need to say, okay, I gotta lift? It?
1: Yeah, I mean I I'd love to see us go out there and dominate Mandy. I really would. I mean, I, I think the talent gap is there. Uh, you know, I, I said some similar things last year, though, and uh, we, we saw how that went. So, yeah, man, death taxes and Gamecocks football beating Vandy. It just happens on a year in, year out basis. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: And just like you, I'm riding with beam rims the whole way. I'm not going to stop. The sec- like I told you before, the second I heard that he was going to be our head coach, I was so excited I got goosebumps. Okay, I was that excited that I got goosebumps on my arms whenever I heard he was the coach. Hmm. And I am also, like I have said before, I am convinced that he's going to do <clears throat> what is best for the school okay he's going to do what's best for the for the program period and i'm just going to do what i've done all year watch games and hope and wake up no matter who we're playing the rest of the way
1: out, I don't know what I don't know what order we're
3: playing them in,
1: but we got uh, we I got Vandy, Vandy Florida, Tennessee, Clemson.
3: Okay, yeah. No matter no matter no matter how any of those other games turn out, okay, I'm going to wake up those on those Saturdays thinking to myself, we're going to win today because we every 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 fan of every school does that regardless of what the spread is you're going to wake up Saturday morning and think to yourself we're going to win today we're going to take care of business today it never fails hmm. because every fan base has has eternal optimism as you like to say
8: hmm.
3: <clears throat> But I am convinced that if we lose by some miracle of the good Lord, if we somehow lose to Vandy, this will be the straw that broke the camel's back, and Beamer will let Satterfield, or as I like to call him these days, Marcus Shitterfield, okay, he will let him go at the end of the season, no question. Because, like I said also earlier this week, I think he will let somebody go all that staff before he loses his job. Because mm-hmm. I think if, if, if Beamer were to somehow lose this job, he would not be very happy with himself. I, 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 I'm, I'm convinced of that. And I also think – last thing, and then I'll get out of here. I also don't – like, am I hoping – that beamer is the guy right to get us to where we want to be yeah but he i also know that he might be the guy like you said earlier that gets us to the guy that is going to get us to where we want to be which is in atlanta competing for the conference title and winning a conference title and then going to the playoffs but the honest truth is we don't know that yet. We don't know. We're just going to have to sit back and relax and let her
1: fly. And Gamecock football fans are just like bad doctors. They have no patience, as we all know.
5: Exactly.
1: And I will
3: give you my prediction tomorrow. Beautiful. I'll have my prediction ready to go for tomorrow. I can't wait. Well, you have a great rest of your day and a great uh, rest of the days of your trip, and uh, be, be safe getting
1: back. Robbie, you're the man. I appreciate the call, my friend. You're welcome. Yeah, man. Take care. Great stuff from Robbie Davis. Uh, let's see. There was a comment that made me laugh. It was uh, Justin Jones. He says, three things are absolute, death, taxes, and Coach 4 bitching and moaning on every Gamecock post on the internet. <laughs> that one made me laugh. Except press one. J-Rock, what's up, man? How are you? Uh, I'm doing all right, man. How about you? I'm doing well. Appreciate you asking. What's going on?
6: Uh, well, kind of wanted to uh, maybe bring up a, a topic here. I know there's been some questions on, on Rattler. Now, I'll say this myself. You know, I, I don't honestly think Rattler can be fairly judged, uh, just like no one that plays on this offense can be judged uh, fairly because that just, you know, runs this whole thing into the ground. I mean, it's like spinning wheels in mud. But, um, you know, but I'm thinking maybe there's a couple other guys, and this is no indictment on Rattler. It's just, uh, you know, his skill set, I think what he does best, it just doesn't, it isn't compatible with what Sats trying to do. Um, maybe, maybe Doty or maybe Rattler, uh, excuse me, not Rattler, uh, or maybe Joiner, Joiner or Doty one, because they are more of actual running quarter, you know, quarterbacks. I mean, I know Spencer does run – you know, he does run some. I mean, he, he's mobile. But I, I would probably venture to say that most would probably agree that, you know, we, we've probably seen, you know, Dodie and, and D.K. be more of those running-type quarterbacks. And, you know, maybe that pair would, you know, Marcel and Lloyd, maybe that would just add a little something uh, and just try to help make the most of this terrible offense.
1: It, it is. Uh, it is funny. I mean, I don't, it, what it you It is. Think? It is funny, my guy. That a, a year ago, damn near to the date, I had people telling me that Luke Doty is not an SEC quarterback, and now those same people want Spencer Rattler benched for Luke Doty. How does that math add up? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, and, I I, and I, I was a Doty defender last year, but there were people. On a, Chris, yeah. he's not an SEC quarterback, and now we, we all of a sudden, people, listen, listen, people don't want Spencer Rattler benched because they feel like there's some answer waiting in the wings on the bench. They want Spencer Rattler benched because they can't get their way in getting Marcus Satterfield fired right now, and so he's the next best available option. To move out of there. That that's why. Let's 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 just call a spade a spade. I don't care if you want Rattler benched. That's totally fine. That's your opinion. That's your take. But it ain't because you think Luke Doty or Dak joiner or Braden Davis or Tanner Bailey or Colton Gothier is the answer. You just can't get your way in getting sat fired right now. So who's the next hell on chopping block? Well, it's Spencer Rattler because he's a starting quarterback. That's why people want him benched. Bottom line.
6: Yeah. Well, I mean, like I now and definitely, you know, the, the running aspect is one thing. But I will say this: now, I don't think any other quarterback really compares him when it comes to arm talent. I, and it's not so much that I would like to see him come out. I mean, just because I want him, I, I would like for them to bench him. I mean, it's honestly because, I mean, at this point, I mean, if they can convince him to come back next year, which I don't know with all this stuff that's going to happen with the OC, you know, new OC, stuff, who knows how that's going to go. But, I mean, honestly, I'd like to see him sit out for his own sake because I feel like every time he has to go out there and play in this horrible offense, it's just it's not fair to the guy. And all it does is keep driving his, his numbers and his draft stock into the ground. I mean, I almost feel like at this point it would just be having mercy on the guy. Maybe yeah, you and know, then maybe once you get somebody who can actually call an offense and has a constant system in place, then bring him back. You know, yeah, put him back out there. And that way he can you know thrive. Because I just I just don't feel I just don't see how there's any way he's he's going to thrive in this in this offense the way it sits right now. I I just
1: well, and I and I tell you this, if I'm Luke Doty, I mentioned this weeks ago. If I'm Luke Doty, I'm not just coming in to play garbage snaps, right? So. Unless you're about to hand me the keys and you are benching Spencer Rattler, truly, if I'm Luke Doty, I'm saying thanks, but no thanks. I'm saving my year of eligibility. If you do that, let's just play some fun hypothetical games. And, by the way, I'm not saying anybody's wrong for saying bench Spencer Rattler. I I almost don't even feel like there's a point in arguing it because it ain't going to happen. They're they're not going to fire Sat right now, and I don't think they're going to bench Spencer Rattler. I just don't see it happening because, hey, you hand him keys over to Luke Doty, I would expect Spencer Rattler to swiftly be in the transfer portal. And I don't want to speak for him, but uh, Spencer Rattler's number one objective is to get to the league. I'm sure – I'd love to be in his brain right now and wonder what in the world's going on in his head. But I think if it becomes so evident they bench Spencer Rattler here, I think he's gone. I I think the portal is calling his name and he's out of here. Um, So – but I I just – I, I, and listen again. I, I see people in the comments saying Doty had a broke foot last year. I know. I was a Doty defender last year, right? I, I defended Luke Doty. I did. But I, I just I don't I don't see a, an answer on the bench that's all of a sudden going to take this offense and make it into some dynamic thing. However, I will say though, I will say it really does fall back onto Satterfield because they're they're not running. <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> they're not running an offense. That's that's maximizing his abilities, and maximizing his talents. Yeah. So I don't even know why you brought Spencer Rattler to be totally honest with you, just out, outside of a, to make a couple of headlines. Yeah. I mean, what's the point? They're they're not calling an offense that maximizes his skill set. So literally, what is the point? I, you know, and it all goes that that, <laughs> that all goes back to Marcus Satter.
6: Yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, I was looking to J.C. and Phil earlier, too. I mean, it's like J.C. mentioned again. I know you probably heard him say this as well. I mean, I mean it's kind of worse when we hear that when it's like, oh, you know, we want to – because supposedly they wanted to bring him in so that he could, you know, work in this pro style offense and they could get him ready for the NFL. And I mean, when you think back, I mean, they used to try it when Mustang was here. That, that's what our defenders you – yeah, know, that was all, you know, we'll get you NFL ready – And you look at how our defense played under him and and think about all the talent and look at what those guys are doing now in the NFL. I mean, this is – I mean, it's it's great if you want to get guys prepared for the NFL. But first and foremost, you're supposed to be doing something that's going to win you games. I mean, first and foremost, you play to win for the University of South Carolina. That's first and foremost. I I don't know. I just think either way, you know, regardless – I mean, whether Spencer, you know, whether Spencer transfers out and tries to go somewhere else next year, um, you know, or he comes back. I mean, either way, it's kind of going to be a little bit of a, a bittersweet thing because, you know, even if we get the new OC and stuff, I mean, because we're either going to lose Rattler and we're going to look, you know, silly because he he's going to go somewhere else next year, or he's going to look, you know, good again, and we're, you know, and or he stays and we lose some quality depth at the position, and I mean it's just not going to be, a, you know, it's not going to be a good look. But I don't know. I'm just hoping for the best. We got to focus on Vandy this week. That's probably our best chance of getting, you know, bowl eligible to get that sixth win. And I just hope we can make the most out of what we got left uh, of the season. So.
1: Indeed, I appreciate the call, man. All right, man. was yes, a good sir. one. Thanks so much. You too. Uh, you know what's kind of funny? I say this. <laughs> for the people that want – and I'm not – by the way, I'm not – again, I'm not saying you're wrong. But for the people that want Spencer Rattler benched right now, what if not only he doesn't get benched, but he comes back next year? <laughs> and he's in line to be the starting quarterback again. <laughs> going to be interesting. Hunter, what's up, man? How are you? I'm doing good. What about you? I'm doing well. Appreciate you asking what's going on. That's,
8: that's good. Uh, looks like no uh, ass cap going on this
1: year. Yeah, I mean, technically, I think we could still get there, but we literally have to win out and win a bowl game. So, I, I think my uh, think my ass-cheek is safe, my friend. <laughs> I mean, we can could, we could still make that bet for next year. I will probably make a a similar bet, but you know, I, I if you haven't noticed by now, I, I don't make bets that uh, I have a significant likelihood of losing. Yeah. That's 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 why the the astat bet is so, you know, because personally, I got to be honest, Hunter, I don't want an astat. I don't, so I'm not gonna make I'm, I'm not gonna make a bet that I'm most likely gonna lose just so I can get an astat. I'm not I'm not doing that. So and it's got to be significant. Yeah, yeah. So it might be the same I, next year. Hey, we win ten games. I'll, I'll do it i mean it's very possible
8: i mean we, we got a good recruiting class uh, for next year so i mean i'm just hoping stats not gonna come back otherwise we're just gonna be in the same record as this year in last year
1: yeah i hope so man and i hope so yeah that
8: that missouri game man i mean i was i was literally at a halloween party at my cousin's house and uh I had, I had the game on, on my phone because he didn't have it on the TV, and he was watching, I think it was the other game or something. But I was watching it on my phone, and I was like, man, I hope we do something in the fourth quarter, and we weren't really doing nothing, and I just turned it off. I, I was so depressed that, that night because of that game, but I know it's just football, but damn.
1: Yeah, man, it's your team. It's, it's It's just football, but it's your team, and it's a team we love desperately, and, hey, the wins – the winds are uh, the highs are extremely high, and so the lows are low. And that, that that loss sucked, man. It hurt. It hurt, no doubt. That was that was a. Yeah, I mean, dude, I mean, we're we're I, still I, sitting I, here. We're still sitting here on Wednesday, and people, I I feel like this is people. Well, this is still kind of a therapy session. I mean, I, this is just a vent week. That's all this is. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah.
8: Yeah, I I even told my dad. I was like, uh, oh, yeah. I'm. I mean, we were only ranked for only a week, and he was like, well, that's for part of being a Gamecock fan. We sometimes suck
1: and we sometimes don't. So, Well said, my friend. Poetic. Sometimes we suck and sometimes we don't. That is very well said.
8: Yep. That's all I got
1: to say. Hunter, I appreciate the call, man. Thank you so much.
3: No problem.
1: Great stuff. Great stuff from Hunter. And, guys, again, I want to say thank you to all of our callers, everybody that calls into the show. You guys make TDC what it is. Truly, I mean that. I I love it. I love it. This show is for for all of us. It's for you. Uh, <laughs> I see the folks in the Big Cock Club Discord, the TDC Questions Channel, Brendan M. Uh, why you don't want to run it back, my guy? Sat Rat Twenty Twenty Three. No. Sat Rat Twenty Twenty Three. We'll just we'll just we'll run back the Beamer Rattler merch. Beamer Rattler Twenty Three. I love it. Let's see. In Colts, is I just don't think there's any potential downside to trying another quarterback when we're going backwards on all of these drives. I still think Rattler has the most talent in the quarterback room. Listen, I, I'm, I'm, if, if, if Beamer and, and company, if they decide that's what, what's best for the football team, why not? Why not? So be it. So be it. Uh, Coleman, you, you, I'll tell you this, Coleman Hall, you, you, you sound like you're very close, my friend, to pulling the plug on Beamer. You, you, I, and I mean, I, I don't want to speak for you now. I, 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 but you sound like you're close. You, you sound like you're pretty damn close. Your, your skepticism of Shane Beamer is high. You and Coach Ford both are kind of in the, in the same boat, I think. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. You know, uh, again, it's it's Coleman also's Chick Fil A must jam. Okay, well there you go. That's all she wrote. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, if 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 they keep sat, it's gonna be ugly. I mean, it's it's gonna be really, really ugly. Uh, yeah, so it's gonna be ugly. I, I I don't see it happening. I don't know how it could happen. So, guys, we're gonna jump into one final break on the other side. Want to continue to hear from you, more your questions, comments, calls, and more. You're tuned in to the Daily Crux. All right, guys, we're live. We're back. Taking your questions, comments, calls, 843-790-3377. You hear that sigh as we come back. I'm just thinking to myself, man, until Marcus Satterfield's gone, this fan base is gone to hell. I mean, it's just wild seeing the comments. It's wild. It's wild. Um, Vanderbilt week. Gamecocks taking on Vandy this week. And I, I don't even know if fans really want to talk about the game. I, I, I don't know that we do. I don't I mean, this is therapy week, folks. Therapy is in session. Therapy is in session. Satterfield has broken this fan base. This fan base is shattered. Folks are ready to give up their season tickets because Marcus Satterfield is calling the plays. And, hey, I don't blame you. I don't blame you, man. Listen, you pay for a product we can't score. To hell with it. To hell with it. Um... Man. <laughs> Guys, phone lines are open. 843 790 Um, I'm just I'm ready for it, man. I'm 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 ready for Travis. Says we're tired of the BS. Travis, you've been tired since 1896, my guy. You've been tired since 1896. <laughs> been waiting on the year since 1896. I'm waiting on lightning to strike. Getting that right, Travi. We've been young since 1892. Coleman says, I've spent thousands of dollars on tickets. And the fact Beamer repeats Muschamp's errors is just idiotic. Yes, the PTSD from Marcus satter or excuse me, from from Will Muschamp's mistakes. I mean, it rings loud in Columbia. So, uh, I I don't know, man. Guys, I, I wish Marcus Satterfield was fired two days ago. I, I I wish that was the case. Trust me, I I, I don't want to have to spend the entire week talking sad. I don't want to have to spend the entire week, um, you know, you know, acting as if we need to burn the program to oblivion. Uh, my guy John Rice says, "Do other fan bases overreact like ours does?" Yeah, th- John, I th- I think so. Listen, I I think the closer you get to it, I I think the closer you get to it, I I just think it's you know. We take it so much more personally. And, and, and I think, here's the thing. I think what happened to a lot of fans was that that four-game losing streak. Or, excuse me, losing streak. God, I'm, I'm getting my words all mixed up. I think what happened is that four-game winning streak, right? We knew, we got, we got, we drank the Kool-Aid a bit. We drank the Kool-Aid. and And the winning just felt so good. You know, and then to come into that game with all the momentum that you had and, and fall flat on your face, and especially on the offensive side. I think the frustrations offensively, I think the frustrations offensively were building up for weeks, right? Because you didn't look good on offense against Kentucky, you didn't look good on offense against ADM. Even SC State and Charlotte were somewhat of struggles. I mean, you haven't looked good. On offense all season. So even amidst that four game winning streak, those, 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 you know, what, what's the word I'm looking for? I just had a brain for it. Those frustrations continued to mount. And now what you're seeing is just the product. Right? It, it's just, it's finally, now that you've lost, it's, it's, it's come to the forefront. So People keep talking about Satterfield's hoodie. What what hoodie did he wear? I didn't see this. Like, what hoodie? I got to go to YouTube now because I, I want to see the hoodie. I feel like I'm missing out. Y'all are – y'all are uh, – here we go. Let's see. Oh, yeah, it says, What's next with the Carana logo and the SEC logo? I don't know. I mean, is that does that does that bother y'all what hoodie he wears? Did it have no sleeves? I literally just looked at it. It looked like it had sleeves to me. Do y'all do y'all care what Satterfield wears to the presser? Would that make you feel better if he was wearing a wearing something else? I mean. James Kendall says that and all of our rivals are playing hot potato with the natty. Yeah. I mean it's it's yeah. Being a Gamecock's not for the faint of heart, James. It's not. You know it. You know what's funny? You would think. You would think Gamecock fans like would would get used to it. You would think that at some point, right? We would just we would learn, and we would say like we would learn from the past. Gamecock fans have a level of hope and optimism that is unparalleled, right? I mean, you could argue that the best people to be in relationships with, you know, because they're always going to see the best in you. No matter how many times you let them down, they're always going to see the best in you. It's how Gamecock fans are wired. (laughs) Because you would think, this fan base would learn after a while. But nope, nope. We show up ready to get hurt again every single year. And Coleman, to your point, feels like we're asking for the bare minimum. I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree with that. It, the offense just has to be fixed. Game the, the, the root of the problem is Gamecock fans are so tired of watching bad offensive football that's what this all comes down to I don't think it's that anybody's upset with being five and three right I I don't think anybody's upset being five and three but it's it's how it's happening and when you lose it's how it looks and it's really just how it looks as a whole South Carolina fans are tired and I'm tired of watching bad offensive football even if you go beat vanderbilt it's like a 23 to 17 game it's like yeah justin they 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 turn the comments off on youtube for the coordinator press conferences apparently they do that yeah they turn the comments off i mean Kevin, I mean, hit the nail on the head. The only way to be happy, the only way to be happy is to win or Satterfield gets fired. I mean, that's literally, yeah, yep. And that's why I said yesterday, guys, unfortunately, I just, I don't see, I don't think there's a solution in the short term. We're we're just, we're literally going to have to tough it out. It doesn't matter how much you kick and scream and bitch and moan. We're just going to have to tough it out. Marcus Satterfield is this football team's OC. That's it. That's it. Probably for the next four games. Marcus Satterfield is this football team's OC. So Jack says, "How is eight weeks of terrible offense an overreaction? We only get twelve games a year and the majority have been shit. Got lucky against Kentucky and a and m was driving to take the lead when their quarterback got hurt. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's an overreaction to say that there needs to be changes offensively. I, I don't I don't. I don't think it's uh, unreasonable. Preston says, I think Beamer's going to keep him for next year. He seems like he believes in him. Preston, I've already said this before, but I'll say it again. Shane Beamer retaining Marcus Satterfield would be nothing short of career suicide. I mean, it'd just be nothing short of you know, he, he's going to make the best possible best possible decisions behind closed doors that he feels are the best for Gamecocks football, but it, it would be nothing, you know, with all things. that it, I mean, here's the thing, guys, and as we close out, if we close it being 2 o'clock, I mean, there's just so much damning evidence that I've talked about all week long, and then you look at the numbers on the field. Marcus Satterfield will forever be known as the offensive coordinator that ruined Spencer Rattler, ruined him. That's what he's known for. He can he can try to sell you on the fact he's a quarterback guru and offensive guru. Now, well, you've dr- you've driven Spencer Rattler's draft stock into oblivion. Who on this offense, outside of Marshawn Lloyd, has improved their draft stock this season? Nobody, absolutely nobody, and we have Marcus Satterfield to thank for that. Guys, we've hit 2 o'clock. Appreciate you all tuning in. Thank you all so much. If you missed anything today, uh, be sure to check out the Daily Crow podcast version in our podcast feed. Uh, again, thank you all so much, to everybody that called in. Anthony Treesh, of course, for taking the time to chat and uh, podcast drop this morning. Like I said, guys, TSUS episode 722. So be sure to go check that out. Guys, again, thank you all so much. Appreciate you all tuning in. Have a great rest of your Wednesday and we will talk to you all tomorrow.